Okay, so look, I didn't come here to shit on Paul George. I didn't come to shit on Kawhi Leonard. I didn't even come to shit on Doc or any anyone in the Clippers organization, right? But this is what I will shit on. And it is, I will shit on people that subscribe to the idea that you can skip steps in the process and still achieve greatness. That you can skip steps in the process and still attain something that's great. Something that's elusive. Now I'll give you this. There are some anomalies, right? There are some anomalies that, I don't know, you can roll the dice on and you can bet on this happening. Steps got skipped, but hey, here we are and somehow it happened. And if you were to tell me that you would bet your money that the Clippers could have been the anomaly, I wouldn't even call you crazy for that. Because with that, you're not wrong. Until you're wrong. And it didn't work out that way. So my real question is, should we be as shocked that they lost before the Western Conference Finals as we are? Knowing what we know about the steps that were skipped, about the load management, about treating the regular season like it's irrelevant? How the fuck did you think you was gonna build chemistry, Paul George? You gotta play together. How are you gonna figure out who your team is and what you do when faced with adversity if you manufacture a way out of adversity every time, all through the regular season? How? This is what you get, and this is where we're at. And again, I'm not casting aspersions on anyone or saying I'm holier than thou or any of that. I also picked the Clippers to win the championship prior to the season starting. So the questions I posed to you are questions I posed to myself early, early this morning. Should I really be that shocked? You skip steps. It happens. It's the NBA Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Harvey Banks, and we got some stuff to talk about, finally. What stuff I care about, that is. Let's go. All right, so if you're just waking up or you've just been hiding, the Clippers lose to the Nuggets in seven games in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, meaning they don't actually get to the Western Conference finals and give us the lake up, the, the lake up, <laughs> the matchup against the Lakers that we wanted. There's a million people giving a million reasons as to why the Clippers lost this series. The only real reason that I have doesn't really involve individual player performances. I mean, micro, I guess it does, but macro, not really. I just think about all the games prior to shutdown that they were load managing and just not really taking it that serious. And even Doc, even when Doc was asked about load management, he was getting tired of talking about it and he got kind of snippy a few times and kind of really dismissed the games that were being lost due to load management. 
And I, I don't know if that was more Doc having frustration with load management, because perhaps this doesn't come from him. Right. Perhaps this is this is something that's followed Kawhi and it's a Kawhi thing. And maybe he doesn't agree with it. So he doesn't want to have to talk about this all the time. So understandably, you'd get a little frustrated or. Did he just think that he had a roster so good, there's no way that he can lose? Because that that attitude is the attitude that I got from the Clippers pretty much from the jump. And I believe it's that attitude that kind of led them to getting bounced early. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's that difficult. And it's not. uh how do I say I'm not blown away by it. I am surprised just like everyone else, but like I'm not floored when you sit back and you actually think about who the team is and what led up to the bubble and the the idea of being in the bubble. A lot of the Clippers apparently weren't even on board with that. Uh, when this social justice things happened here recently, with the Bucks setting out games and the players got together and had the meeting and they had to vote whether to continue playing in the bubble or leave. I think it matters that the Clippers voted to leave along with the Lakers. Now, it's along with the Lakers, so that's not an indictment on them. But if you match that decision up with the reports of a lot of the Clippers players not really wanting to come anyways, I would say that the level of seriousness that they took this season and this bubble was quite low. And so that's going to lead to blowing second half leads three games in a row. It's going to lead to not really knowing how to close a game out. It's going to lead to inevitably your star player looking like he choked and a lot more questions than answers is what it's going to lead to. And that's where we're at today. We have we have questions like no one expected the Denver Nuggets to beat the Los Angeles Clippers. If they tell you they did, they're either a lying or B, they was just trying to say some outlandish shit to look like a genius earlier. And <laughs> trust me, no one knew. Right. I think every sane basketball player chose the Clippers in this or basketball fan chose the Clippers in this matchup. Now that was no disrespect toward Denver. Denver deserved to be exactly where they're at, where they are now. They've played hard. They've been battle tested and they have earned the right to go lose to the Lakers in the Western conference finals. So all the questions now turn back to the Clippers I want to start the conversation or my portion of the conversation with the idea that Paul George and Kawhi choked, right? I don't like the term choked because I don't know. I just it, I think it gets overused and no one really knows what it means. A couple of years ago, when James Harden stopped shooting in the Western Conference Finals, like he wasn't getting wasn't taking shot attempts that I felt more like was a choke, quote unquote, because you stop doing shit that you normally do. Now, if you're taking shots and missing, I don't consider that choking. I consider that, well, you're missing key shots. 
I don't know if that's a choke, if that makes sense. I don't want that. I want to be very clear on the differences in my mind between the two. And both of them going scoreless in the fourth is wild. Like that's some. Again, it's just wild. I got the sense. That Kawhi Leonard did not want to be in the bubble. I don't have sources. I don't know big time NBA guys. It's going to give me kind of, you know, any insider knowledge. So just from a fan perspective, outside looking in, I got the sense that he did not want to be there. And so when they came to the bubble looking rather mediocre, I thought that they would play their way into it, right? The games prior to the start of the playoffs were important because I thought even if you don't want to be in the bubble, once you get in the bubble and you see people are hooping in the bubble, the basketball player in you is going to ignite and you're going to be like, you know what? I'm here. Let's get this. It clicked for a lot of players. It didn't for Kawhi Leonard. He just looked like it it could be a burden. You know what I mean? Like it was a burden to him and he had already he looked like he had already made plans on not coming back when the pandemic hit. And now it's like, oh, damn. So you mean we, we got to go back to work? No, nah, I'm saying I, I can work. I'm just saying I, I, I didn't think we were going to be coming back to work. So like I might have made other plans. But anyways, it's cool. We here. We here. Let's let's go. Let's do what we got to do. And that's the vibe I got from him. And I didn't get that vibe from the from the Nuggets. There's not a single player on the Nuggets that I looked at and was like, uh, they're just here because they were here. They were there with the goal. And the goal was to advance into the playoffs and to advance and, you know, win playoff games. Same with Dallas. Dallas looked focused and Dallas looked like the better team a lot in that series. And. The Clippers looked like they were relying on talent and talent alone to take them there. And it didn't work out. Now, talent in the NBA is very important. And I want to I want to be clear that I'm not saying that talent can't get you there. I'm not saying it can't get you there. I am saying that talent alone usually doesn't get you there. Again, that's an anomaly that you just pull some shit together and make it work. Most teams put together year one don't win championships. I don't give a shit what the talent level is. They just don't win championships. It just doesn't work that way. There are anomalies. And if you're going to vote on the anomaly and you want to say that you thought the Clippers were the one. Yep. I did, too. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that talent. Right. Because I thought for the first time that Paul George was going to be super comfortable. And Kawhi Leonard is clearly. The best player on the team, the closer you have, I, I looked at the Clippers and I didn't see a weakness. There was no other team in the NBA that I could say that for. I didn't see a weakness. Perhaps their only weakness was they didn't really care that much. They didn't really care that much. 
And it's been a lot of talk about Paul George, these in the bubble. And, you know, the joke that playoff P has turned into pandemic P. And I don't really subscribe to all that because my point is this is who Paul George has been since departing Indiana and the injury. Like, let's be clear. Perhaps Paul George isn't a Robin. He does not play well in that role. And I know it seems like forever ago when he was the guy in Indiana and they were pushing the Miami Heat. Make no mistake about it. That was not an easy out for LeBron. They pushed them. Paul George was clearly the most talented, gifted player on that Pacers team. So then we fast forward to a new structure of a team, right? Paul George to the Thunder. People would say that Paul George is probably the most talented player when he got there. Maybe, but they got an MVP on that team. And Paul George and that MVP are trying to get along and figure this out and Maybe that gets into his psyche, right? Paul George is the guy that needs his role super defined. And maybe we're trying to place him in this Robin situation. And that's not how he thrives because it didn't go well playoff wise with the Thunder. Move him to here with the Clippers. He looks even more uncomfortable. Maybe Paul George isn't built to be the second guy because to him, he doesn't know his role. We can tell him his role. You are to defer to Kawhi and be his second option. But if he hasn't learned basketball that way, that is a very difficult thing to ask a player with a signature shoe to do. Why do I bring up the signature shoe aspect of it? The guy has been in MVP conversations. He's been he's been in series where it's him, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade on the floor, and there's been games where it's looked like, yo, he could be the best player on the floor right now. Right. It's a very difficult thing to change your identity. He had something that changed his identity for him. The injury. We all remember the injury. You don't come back the same person from stuff like that. You just don't. You may come back physically the same, but you're not the same person. So when Paul George says, He has severe anxiety. He had to speak with team doctors. He was anxious, depressed about being. It's this is him saying, I don't know where my place on this team is. I know they want me and I know I want to be here, but something just ain't fitting. And when that's in your mind, it tends to come out in hesitation. 
front of the rim threes. Terrible corner threes. Uncharacteristic turnovers. Missing defensive rotations. Little things that he does great. If it's in his mind that he doesn't want to disrupt the apple apple cart. You know what I'm trying to say. If that's in his mind. Then it's going to it's going to affect all of that. And it's crazy for us to think that it shouldn't. Playoff P. Now, he's going to have to live with that playoff P because I'm pretty sure he gave himself that nickname. So you got to deal with it. He's going to have to deal with that. He's going to have to deal with criticism, which even if he was that guy on a team and they lost, he's still going to have to deal with criticism. I'm just saying, is your criticism It's valid, but is it necessary? Like, did you take everything into account? I know it's easier to just be like, this guy's trash in the playoffs. It's like, no, 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 wait. This guy has recently been trash in the playoffs. This guy in this new role and this new version of himself is not reliable in the playoffs. But that guy once was in a different role. He's trying to figure that out. He's trying to figure that out. I can see that he's trying to figure that out. How do I know he's trying to figure himself out right now? One, publicly told that he spoke to team doctors and all that. I get into that. I don't get into the the mental health of an, a, another guy or, or, or girl because I'm not a doctor. I take it all serious, right? If he says he has anxiety and depression, that's a real thing. So don't know how that affects basketball, but I just kind of usually step out when that conversation starts to happen. But I look at his behavior. Inside the bubble, Paul George has been doing things that he doesn't normally do. And so the idea of the Clippers were that they were this tough team, right? They got the Morris. They got Patrick Beverly and Montrez is a beast and they're. I believe he tried to take on the identity of that team by starting to, you know, talk a little trash, get into Twitter shit. And that's not what you do. That that right there is a sign of somebody reaching for their own identity. They don't really know what that is. So they're just going to try to blend in with the identities around them. If you don't think that's important, trust me, it's very important in a job like that. It's very important. On the flip side, Jamal Murray, he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly who he is as a basketball player, exactly who he is to that team. And the Denver Nuggets know exactly who they are in the eyes of everyone else in the bubble. And they just don't quit. They don't quit. There's no there, there's no quit in those guys and make no mistake about it. While it's surprising and it is an upset, they earned every bit of this trip to the Western Conference Finals. I don't I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers. I think they go down in six, but they're not about to get embarrassed. You want to know why? It's not who they are. That's not their identity. They play defense too well. And they can score the basketball and they have guys 
who are stars in their roles because their roles are defined. And that stuff matters. Now, let's transition to the East. Where I will pat myself on the back a little bit, because I don't know if y'all were here. I don't know. Two months ago when I said, hey, the Miami Heat. Is not to be overlooked. I had one guy on Twitter in particular ask me. Damn, what's your affinity with the heat? You've been talking about the heat all year. Hello. They play really good basketball. And I couldn't put my finger on what it is about them that I like the most all year long. I mean, I I like the toughness. I like Jimmy. I like how he molds with these young guys, what he's brought out in them. I love Bam. I love Duncan Robinson. You know, I love me some Tyler Hero. But I was like, what the fuck is it about this team? And Brad Stevens was asked by the media kind of what makes this team scary. And he said something interesting to me. He said they're the only team he's seen that moves and cuts as well as the Golden State Warrior teams. Not that they're as deadly shooters and things like that, but like he's like the way the ball moves and the way they cut and they move off the ball is elite. And I was like, I think that's what it is, right? It's. I watched a lot of Heat games this year where I was like, yo, when you got shooters, the ball can just go. It gives you freedom. It gives you freedom on a basketball court. That kind of freedom mixed with their kind of confidence is a dangerous scenario for anyone trying to change, trying to match up against them. I don't care what your talent says. If we're going hard, I'm going to go with the Heat. I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. All he does is make big shots. And all he does is empower his teammates to be dogs. Go get it. And if you miss it, oh, well, get ready because you're going to go get it again. And then you're going to go get it again. And when they know. When Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn, when they absolutely know hit or miss, we're good. Be confident and and we're going to ride for each other. If I hit this shot, they riding for me. If I miss this shot, they riding for me. That goes a long way. It goes a long way. These rookies on this Miami team and these second-year players, they don't play like that. Why is that? It is because they have the perfect leader, Jimmy Butler. Ain't nobody give Jimmy shit. He took it. Jimmy decided he's going to outwork everyone else. These kids decided ain't nobody going to give us no respect in this league. We got to take it. None of these guys, with the exception of Tyler Hero, were were five stars, were were recruited super heavily. Like none of these guys was built like that. Tyler got it. He got to Kentucky and got better. Then he got to the NBA and got even better. They said Tyler was working out with Jimmy at 4 a.m. in Chicago. 
That's because you want to get better. You know, ain't nothing, ain't nothing for, ain't nothing going to be given to you in this league. It doesn't matter what you did in college. doesn't matter what you did in high school. And they embrace that. And it starts with the guy that I don't think gets any amount of credit that he should be getting. Eric Spolstra is an elite NBA basketball coach. But what's the one thing that he can kind of vibe with the team about? He got it out the mud. My man went from being the video coordinator to the head coach. You think the let me remind y'all if you too young to remember when LeBron first got to Miami. Everybody said. How long is it going to be before Pat Riley comes out of the stands and takes over coaching for this young guy, Eric Spolster, who doesn't know what he's doing because he's just a video coordinator? And Eric Spolstra got the most out of LeBron and got the most out of D-Wade and got the most out of Mario Chalmers and got the most out of Chris Bosh. And, and, and don't get me wrong. So it helps to have all world talent. But the all world talent has to eventually buy into you, because if not, that's not going to fly forever. Ask David Blatt in Cleveland. All world talent, but talent turned on you because talent realized you ain't what you say you are. Talent in Miami realized Spolster is who he says he are. He is. So the respect from the all world talent flowed through. Right. So Spolstra puts his trust into Jimmy. Jimmy puts his trust into Bam. Bam instills this into the other to the rookies. This is how we ride in Miami. Everybody is everybody and everybody is nobody at the same time. We got to get it out the mud because they're not respecting us. They're not going to give it to us. So where does Spolstra get that from? Y'all remember everything Pat Riley said back then? Pat Riley said, that's my guy. So Pat Riley instilled that into Eric Spolstra, who's now instilling that into Jimmy Butler. It's a culture. It's an atmosphere. That's winning basketball that's winning baseball that's winning football that's winning business that's winning whatever sector of society that you're in that is so important and they've got that so you don't go against those guys because they've got that will they win the championship i don't know would i be psyched if they did of course would I be shocked if they did? Not really. It would be surprising, but I wouldn't be shocked. Why? They're built on that, that real stuff. So if they don't get it this year, if they get swept, well, they're not going to get swept because clearly they won game one. If Say they make it to the finals and they get swept. If you think the Heat aren't going to come back better next year, you don't know Pat Riley. You don't know Eric Spolstra. You don't know Heat culture. You clearly don't know Jimmy Butler. And you don't know what Bam been through. Right? 
That's what these guys are built on. So, are the Celtics in trouble? A little bit. Because I would venture to say that they had a pretty good night around the board. Pretty good night. Jason Tatum was getting shots from wherever he wanted them on the floor. And by the way, side note, I've made a lot of Jason Tatum jokes because of Boston fans and they keep saying, he's only this amount, he's only 22 years old. I make jokes about that stuff, right? Perhaps I haven't given him his credit for his growth. Well, allow me to do that right now. That boy is a problem. He is very, very good at getting shots in his spot. And it's impressive. And he's got the utmost respect for me. Same with Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart has been money. You need a Marcus Smart on every team, every sport. That guy gets it done. And then Kimba does what Kimba does. Kimba can have a poor game. They have enough talent that Kimba can have a poor game. And then Kimba can also take the ball with eight seconds left, give you a nice little jab, step back, jump shot to take the lead. Because that's who Kimba is, right? Cardiac Kimba. I like the Celtics. I like Brad Stevens. But you got to be kind of concerned if you're the Celtics. Everything went kind of according to plan. Including the sharpshooter that is Duncan Robinson being in foul trouble all night long. Never quite got a hold of his game. And you still lost. I don't think they can afford to go down two to nothing because I don't think the makeup of who the Heat are would allow them to lose four of the next six games. It's just not, they ain't built like that, bro. You know what I mean? So they find themselves in game two and a must win already. Because you're going against guys that are built on just every step along the way to greatness. And that's like, that's where I wanted, I wanted to end this episode talking about the heat because they represent exactly what prob what should have been with the Clippers, right? So what we talk about the Clippers missing, that's the Heat's calling card. And I wanted to show, I'm I wanted to sh- to bring it up, and you have that aha moment. The Clippers ain't this. They're yeah. You see where I'm going? But I'm not that good at this yet, right? I'm just talking. I'm just talking. But this is where we're at. But I'm excited for what's to come. It's the NBA Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Harvey Banks. I'm signing off. I'll see you all in a few days, though.